Hello, I'm Dave Ashton. Today I'm joined with Ruian Davis, who is a senior assistant head teacher at King Henry VIII School, and one of her responsibilities is numeracy or line managing numeracy. Good morning. I, I'm going to go through a few questions with you today, and the first question I have for you is why do you feel it is important to lead numeracy across the curriculum strategically? I think. From our perspective as in King Henry and when we were implementing numeracy, it was important to have not just a numeracy champion, which is what we call our coordinators, but also somebody on the senior leadership team who sees the whole picture of all of the skills across the curriculum. So I actually have the strategic lead on all of the cross curricular responsibilities and that then enables me to be able to see exactly what's happening across all subjects in all year groups with all of our skills and make sure that there's not too much work happening in one area or um, staff are being overburdened. Um, then part of the work that I do um, is to ensure really that national and regional guidance is being adhered to. So because I have access to that information, then I can feed that through to our numeracy coordinator. So that sort of relationship is very important. And also, um, I write the section of the school development plan, which is linked to the development of, of numeracy and the other skills. So I can then ensure that those national priorities, regional priorities and school priorities are all within that um, development plan. And then what our coordinator then does is she uses that plan to create her own strategic plan um, of how she is going to implement those ideas. That's mirrored again then in the, the subject plans and I pull out all of the information to create our training plan. So there's a, a really sort of a holistic view from myself through to near our coordinator, through to the departments and the subject staff who are delivering. So we all are basically singing from the same hymn sheet and we all know what we're doing. Also, one of the the roles that I have is to keep, as I've said before, as I've previously said, is to keep an eye on teacher workload. And I think that's really important when you've got the cross-curricular responsibilities being delivered. We've got three coordinators. So it's it's very important to have that map so that I know exactly what's happening and those staff then are not feeling overburdened, particularly in the current climate with lockdowns and COVID-19. We still need to continue with our skills development. We need to ensure that uh, those skills are developed through Google Classroom and through the work that staff are doing. But it's vital that they don't feel overburdened as well. So, for example, one subject, I can always remember talking to my line manager when I was a numeracy coordinator. And he said that geography is probably his favourite subject in terms of implementing all the skills because there's really good opportunities to, to use numeracy skills, really good opportunities to use literacy skills throughout pretty much any, any topic of learning. So by having that oversight and making sure that subjects aren't being overburdened, you've got that really good insight as to what's happening in the numeracy and the literacy, etc. Yes, and also it enables us to identify those subjects that would like to have a go with a skill area. So, for example, in history, there is a really lovely rich task, a numeracy rich task, which uses data from the Titanic. And our coordinator worked alongside the, the middle leader there to create that task. 
And I don't think we would have picked up on those opportunities if we didn't have that strategic overview of the whole curriculum as well. So um, it just is very useful. And then the line management meetings that I have with her are used very much to just not just to discuss the progress, but also to discuss the actual work that she's doing with departments. We probably will touch on this again, but essentially what happens is that there's time built into our coordinators timetable to work alongside a middle leader to develop a rich task, but then also to team teach alongside teachers who are delivering it and to ensure that those they're confident then in delivering the skills necessary for the students to be able to complete tasks. So if we're asking students to analyse data or create charts using data, then that member of staff will have had some professional learning in the techniques that maths are using so that there's that consistency of message as well. Because that, I think, is really important, because if we have numeracy skills delivered across subjects in a variety of different ways, then the children are not seeing the link. So if so, that that's really key to us. So we, we did a piece of work only last month on long division and Nia worked with the staff to outline how they would teach long division and the strategies that they the students might use. And then all the staff had a go of practicing that using whiteboard fi, which is quite good fun. But then they're able to include that skill where they can in their lessons, but include it in the same way that the maths department does. So, you know, that's essentially part of the role. So not to not to confuse learners going from one subject to another subject, say, oh, we didn't do it like that in history. We, yeah. we did a completely different method which completely then confuses them and having that sort of golden thread through different subjects of these are the methods I know the way that your maths department deliver this I'm going to make sure I'm jogging your memory to do that method lovely well that, that brings me on nicely to our next question which is what are the challenges leading numeracy across the curriculum strategically there are a number of challenges and I suppose the first one would be managing change and you know we've we've approached this at King Henry very much through a coaching model. So when when our coordinator sort of actually hits up against a stumbling block or whatever, we've tried to do this in a way that I encourage her to kind of think through the issue, come up with her own solutions rather than me just sort of throw solutions out there. And that I think is an approach that's worked well with all of our our skills champions because then if they've worked out their own solution to the problem, then they can they can apply it far more effectively. Another challenge I think linked to that with maths in particular, but sometimes also with digital competence, is that you will get some adults who quite happily say, "Well, I wasn't very good at maths when I was in school." And you'll get that quite a lot from parents as well. And it's kind of, we it, we very much have a policy within the school of that positive talk. So that was established quite early on. I mean, if you are feeling unsure about a skill that you're delivering, then you go to near the numeracy coordinator in order to get that professional learning and up that skill level. You don't stand in front of a class and go, well, I couldn't do percentages either. Um, don't worry about it because that's not what we're trying to promote. And so that's that's a challenge sometimes as well, because you you are working with staff who have a feeling 
um, in some cases that they can't do this, they can't teach this because it's not their subject and so on and so forth. And overcoming that has been a challenge in a small way, but it's it's there anyway that has to be done. Keeping track on the impact of evidence, I think, is um, is a challenge. It's really easy to, when you're discussing any of the skills, to say, well, we're doing this, doing this, doing this, doing this, which is all provision. And then sort of what is the actual impact on the students? And we've developed over a number of years some very good ways of collecting that data and analysing that data and then communicating that impact to to staff, to governors, um, through the head teachers report to governors and so on, so that we have that tracked through our evaluation process. I suppose time would be a challenge and making sure that our coordinators have enough quality time to dedicate to the role. Um, if you don't build that into their timetable, then it just isn't going to happen. I don't think that you can have a system where you have a, a coordinator for, say, numeracy, which is maybe holds a TLR, but you don't back that up with giving them time in the timetable. They have to be able to work alongside middle leaders and they have to be able to go into lessons and do those learning walks. And the only way they can do that is to have time. And I think changing staff is also a challenge because you you get to a point with a subject and you have a great set of rich tasks and a task and a subject's really sort of cracking on with it and doing well the outcomes are good and then you get a change of leader or a change of staff and the new leader comes in has their own ideas of how to do it and you're almost kind of having to start again with those and we recognize that quite early as well and our induction for new staff has sort of two layers to it so all staff who start with us have um, an induction in the minimum requirements then across the curriculum so for numeracy that would be the topic of the term that they would be delivering through their lesson and it would be numeracy ninjas that we're doing in the mornings and, and those sort of things that are common to all staff across the whole school but then middle leaders new middle leaders have a bit more of an in-depth induction where they work alongside Nia to understand her role being there to support them and also then middle leaders get a mentor. So all of our new middle leaders have a mentor who's there as well to help them through the process. So they've been through the process of creating these rich tasks so they can support any new middle leader then to do that. So that we keep that continuity going. But it is that is a constant challenge, if you like, because as the staff rotate and as they as people are promoted or people move to other schools, then you've got to constantly keep that um that consistency going within a, within a subject. And I think more recently, I think a challenge is the whole, the COVID-19, the lockdown, the online learning, and ensuring that the skills continue to be developed through Google Classroom. And again, we've addressed that by doing sort of virtual learning walks and logging in as students, having a look at what they're doing. And we have actually found lots of very rich numeracy tasks, but it's ensuring that that happens, I suppose, is a challenge. You've got to know all the time what's happening across the curriculum. And if somebody turned up 
in school and said, well, what are your nine doing now? It's it's a it's difficult in the current climate to know exactly what numeracy they're studying. So you've got to keep an eye on it all the time. Thank you very much. Yeah, really comprehensive answer. There's there's so many different threads. There. I think it's about five or six different things that you said that can be challenges to the role. My third question is, how do you capture your numeracy needs and evaluate your progress against these priorities? Capturing the needs, I think, is a it's a process within the school. And I think there's there's two strands to that. You've got capturing the needs of the students, but also you've got capturing the needs of the staff. So I think for students, we use NNRT data. Obviously, we, we would use baseline testing. One of the things that we have done with um, the numeracy tests is really kind of look at them and analyse where the weaknesses are. And then we highlight something that maybe students are consistently getting wrong. I can remember one from a couple of years ago where it was anti-clockwise and clockwise. And the students are getting very confused with anti-clockwise and clockwise. So we had a quick PL session with staff and then we rolled that out over the whole curriculum to say, you know, can you with your, you know, with your seven, eight and nine, where you can put references to clockwise, anti-clockwise, get that into your lessons. So so, so does that question level analysis then is, is important at identifying those needs. And the same thing happens with subjects. So you spoke about geography earlier and geography would be a key one here, as with science and technology, where you have quite a lot of numeracy on the paper. So that question level analysis would identify those strategies, those diff those pro those things that they are finding difficult. And then we would take that back to the maths department who would look at those questions. And then what they do in the maths department is break down that question, teach the skill, but then give those classes lots and lots of practice of that type of question using the language of, say, the science paper or the technology paper or the geography paper so that the next time they see that, then they're able to better deal with that type of question. So it's a kind of a two way street. I was talking to your uh, to one of your colleagues, the um, head of D&T, and it, it sounded so nice that it's not just a case of his subject having to, to incorporate numeracy, but it seemed like a two way street, as you said, mm -hmm. that, that the nature of those questions are then also seen in maths classrooms as well. Yeah, and I think that's all that that is important. And I think, you know, what he's highlighted there is that is that partnership. And I think to get, I suppose this is quite an important message really, to get those the skills out across the curriculum, it has to be a partnership where, you know, if we are finding something difficult, then the maths department can help us out and vice versa. And then I think the, the relationship builds over time. And it has been very successful. I know our numeracy coordinator often does learning walks and will go into a science lesson, particularly if they're delivering a, a very numeracy heavy lesson, not necessarily to help the teacher to deliver the lesson, but more to have a look at how the children are approaching those questions. And then having looked at that, I think she went into one which was her own GCSE class, quite a lot of them. And she was able to say, but we, we've done this in my class. And they're looking at it, well, have we? And picking up on that sort of the case of this class still hasn't quite got that skill. So then that she can go back and sort of relook at it in her lesson. So it is it is a system that really works. Oh, fantastic. And on to my final question, which is how have you addressed the numeracy professional learning needs of your staff? Loads and loads of different ways, really. 
we obviously have the usual professional learning days, inset days, and we dedicate some of that time to um, skills. So on the, the 12th of February, we had a PL day and it was really given over to skills and Nia had a, a section within that where she was able to look at topic of the term. She was identifying, it was, as I said before, long division was the um, the skill that she'd identified as um, a weakness in key stage three and could we please roll that out. But also she had that opportunity to look at the new framework that, that's available on Hub, take staff through it and also to give them an opportunity to update the um, curriculum map so that we know what's happening where and also upload some examples of work because our next big job I suppose is to create a digital portfolio of evidence for the three skills um, and one of the advantages I think of strategically managing the three is also that the three the three coordinators can work together and they can produce a common format for our skills mapping and also our digital portfolio so staff are not having to grapple with lots of different um, format for collecting that information together so that's been really useful and they can also co-plan their inset time and we can you know sort of bounce ideas off each other then things that are working in one skill area may not be working in another and, and that's been quite useful another um area that we have for professional learning are we have we call them teaching and learning briefings they're a very very short session first thing in the morning they're only 10 minutes but they're very very useful for getting out key messages so if there's something that it's not going to take long to do the whole staff meet and it's just a quick 10 minute slot where somebody's able to deliver something and it may be as simple as a, a tweak to the topic of the term or it might be that um, something has cropped up in the, the numeracy ninjas that because Chris he does um, a termly analysis of the of the numeracy ninjas in order to evaluate progress with that and it might turn up you'll go well this question is not being and then we'll be able to use that teaching and learning briefing just to communicate that back to staff but then the majority of the professional learning is more bespoke. So it would come through conversations with middle leaders and teachers with areas and concepts that they may not be too happy about delivering to staff and putting that professional learning in place so that that member of staff can confidently deliver strategies and techniques that pupils are going to use to really sort out their um, rich tasks and gain that evidence back. So there's a lot of bespoke work going on as well. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Rian. It's been much appreciated. And thank you for sharing what you're currently doing at King Henry and also the, the journey that you've gone across and, and, and what you're starting to look forward to further down the line. So thank you very much for your time today.